but I had been trying to get clean for let's maybe two years. I was using drugs for about five years. I had spent maybe three of them thinking that this was just my path forward. I have nothing else I can do. This is just what I'm kind of, this is what I'm stuck with. And then maybe a few years into that, I started imagining something different, imagining a different possibility, imagining a life of sobriety and happiness, just as an intentional practice um, to try to cultivate that or manifest that, uh, that reality. And I remember I was sitting in a bed at a sober house and it was like the third or fourth time I had relapsed within a period of a year. And I had an experience where something just sort of clicked. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like some other light in my head turned on and I knew that I didn't have to use anymore. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. This episode's sponsor is Microbiome Labs. For the last nine years, Microbiome Labs has been committed to advancing understanding of the human microbiome. They're at the helm of innovation, putting new formulations and technology in the hands of healthcare practitioners and patients. Among many other novel innovations, MBL can now help improve the gut-brain connection with their ZenBiome Cope and ZenBiome Sleep products. Maybe it's been a while since you've re-examined your probiotic choices. The science around the microbiome are novel solutions that are coming out every day. Microbiome Labs will be here at the forefront of science, continuing to pioneer health in this space. For more about this strain and other gut microbiome products, just visit microbiomelabs.com. And as a special bonus for the Drew Perlman Show listeners out there, receive 15% off your total order from Microbiome Labs by just using the discount code that is in the show notes. All right, so let's dive in and get started here. Today's guest on the show is David Woodman. On a lifelong mission to understand and hone his empathetic gifts, David has explored a number of spirituality and alternative healing-based traditions. Today, he primarily works with sound, frequency, and subtle energy as healing tools for restoring balance, and vitality, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And through the language of light wellness, which we'll get into, David's sound healing platform, he offers unique sound healing services. David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Drew. I'm, I'm really uh, excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this conversation. It's uh, It's been a long time coming, but um, you know, plenty to talk about today. I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited to dive in. You know, David and I were just talking a little bit before we started about just the the heaviness right now that I think we're all experiencing emotionally, you know, mentally. Um, I know I'm feeling it. David's feeling it a little bit. Uh, you know, David, you want to start with the, the fact that there is this, there, there's, you know, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Yeah, the energy out there, it's just, I mean, I'm sure most of uh, most of your listeners will know what I'm talking about. It's its just intense right now. It's very demanding emotionally. Uh, you step out your front door, you see it, you feel it. You, It's just everywhere. You know, we have the, the war in Ukraine and, and tension is rising with China and, you know, the, the inflation issue. It's all just kind of coming to a head. And 
the way that I, I really try to frame it to take some of the edge off is to look at it like this is our um, this is our work. All of the things that we have pushed away and, and kind of tr try to repress, it's all coming up to the surface for us to deal with it right now, like it or not, here it is. So, you know, if we can get through this total mess that we've created for ourselves, I really, I honestly feel like there will, there will be something worth our efforts on the other side of it. So mm. just, uh, you just got to keep pushing through and, and, you know, I was kind of saying earlier that this is what brought me to this work is that demanding energy, the need, like I was falling apart, you know, for maybe six months or so at the beginning of the pandemic, I lost my job. I lost everything in a very short period of time. And I won't say everything, but I lost a lot. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to, you know, mentally cope with the fact that I lost my job. You know, my in, my inner world is falling apart while the outer world is falling apart. There's nowhere to turn for, you know, relief. And that forced me to start taking my meditation practice and my energy practice very seriously because I saw results and I knew it was my path. So, mm. you know, yeah, well, you know, and that, and in fact, that's what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about in the, in the start here is just your, your path and your spiritual path. Cause you've done, you've done all this great work, um, as you said, in, in alternative healing and spirituality, T tell me about how you, you discovered some of these tools that you've been, you know, you've been utilizing. Sure. So, I mean, it's been a really long and winding road for me. My life has been one of extremes in every sense, in the good sense and the bad sense. It's, it's uh, you know, when I, so my first words when I came into this world were mine. I, I just wanted, I feel like I came into this world just wanting to experience the fullness of it, the depth, the richness, both positive and negative. And it took me a long time to really be okay with that. And David, were those really, those were your first words, mine, mine were my first words. <laughs> That's <Mine>. great. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that that was just me trying to experience everything. I just wanted, I wanted to experience what the world had to offer and I still do. But what brought me to this work specifically, um, I've always been interested in, in, you know, the alternative, everything essentially conspiracy theory isn't really my thing just because it's a little bit there's enough like negativity and fear out in the real world and i'll let that show me what what i should be afraid of rather than making things up to be afraid of not that conspiracy theories are made up it's just not the vibration that i i really uh resonate with but on the spirituality side i've just i i remember sitting around uh the campfire with my dad as a kid you know, I would go down to Miles Standish State Forest here in Massachusetts in um, in Plymouth. It's a, a beautiful state forest every summer for a couple weeks with my dad. And I just couldn't get enough of his ghost stories. I loved it. I was obsessed. And I really feel like that was kind of the spark. It was it's kind of a, a silly thing that we all, um, you know, most of us have experienced that kind of ghost stories around the fire type thing. But I just it, it was like a magnetic thing for me. So um I'd say around 10 or 11, I remember, you know, my, my, uh, so my parents are divorced, but my stepdad, he would, he was wondering why I couldn't just be looking at like, you know, normal kid stuff on the internet instead of researching astral projection and, uh, <laughs> you know, all this crazy stuff, literally like 10 years old on dial up modem on, uh, you know, those crystal links forums. <laughs> so while all of this is happening, I also, I was, I've always been a very deep person, very introspective, very 
I guess you could say the loner type. That's not something I'm super proud of. It's something I'm actually working on. But um, my inner world has always been ext- extreme. It's just been it's high highs and low lows. And I needed to find a way to manage that. And it took me so long to realize that I could combine my passion for spirituality with my self-care practice in terms of just managing my inner landscape. So at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, a lot happened in between now and then. But um, at the beginning of the pandemic is when I really started taking it seriously. But even before that, in my late teens, so I was actually led down a pretty dark path with the whole drugs and alcohol thing. Uh, it started with, you know, just smoking pot with my friends, and then it turned into pills, and then it it ended in, in prison and detox and uh, a pretty serious heroin addiction. And I would actually say a really serious heroin addiction. And um, that basically took over my life from probably 16 till I was maybe 22, 23. So I got sober in uh, 2013, and I really attribute my sobriety to visualization. I feel like I had no guidance or no path forward in my life. And the fear of that, the fear of not knowing where I'm going to go, how I'm going to provide for myself, how I'm going to, you know, make my place in the world or, or whatever, I just had no path forward. And that fear led me to the drugs with the drugs and the alcohol, I felt like I had no path forward. It, well, that was the reason for going to the drugs and alcohol is because I just never had this. I never knew what I wanted to do. I never had something that I was like extremely good at nothing that, um, I could say, you know, was my thing. I was, I always played sports as a kid. I always, uh, you know, I had my hobbies with guitar and all that. I, I just never really excelled at any of it. I, or at least it didn't pull me the way that, you know, something that so I would like something to pull me. Um, where was I going with that? So essentially <laughs> with, yeah, with the, uh, when I was probably 22 or 23, I got clean. But like I was saying before is that I attribute that to visualization. So I was exposed to the secret probably when I was 16, maybe 15 or 16. I didn't, I, it was like something shifted in me like the fact that that was even an idea that somebody had to me it just really spoke to me today i, I kind of like to say that the, the secret is more of an awareness raiser rather than a how-to it's very oversimpl- oversimplified it's not the greatest thing to like follow word for word but it it inspired me i knew there was something there i knew that there was something to this idea just it just made sense to me on an intuitive level and I began working with it very infrequently, but I had been trying to get clean for, let's maybe two years. I was using drugs for about five years. I had spent maybe three of them thinking that this was just my path forward. I have nothing else I can do. This is just what I'm kind of, this is what I'm stuck with. And then maybe a few years into that, I started imagining something different, imagining a different possibility imagining a life of sobriety and happiness just as an intentional practice um, to try to cultivate that or manifest that uh, that reality and I remember I was sitting in a bed at a sober house and it was like the third or fourth time I had relapsed within a period of a year and I had an experience where something just sort of clicked like I don't even know 
how to describe it, but it's like some other light in my head turned on and I knew that I didn't have to use anymore. And that was while I was meditating um, just on on building a future for myself and, and more on the feeling of empowerment and all those things I felt like I was missing. And I continued with that practice and I haven't used since. So, I mean, I have to attribute it to at, at least in part to, you know, I guess you'd call it the law of attraction or new thought. Um, mm. that was, that was the name it was given, you know, back in the 1920s and thirties, but there's a lot to it. And I've seen it work in my life in really just crazy ways in insane ways that feel like it can't even be real. Like there's something I'm missing, but anyways, I'm rambling. David. So no, that's, that's, that's so powerful, David. And I mean, and I just, I'm trying to think like, so back on that day on that bed, when you had that vision and literally I mean, that's amazing. And it was just this vision that came, came to mind. It was more like an emotional vision. It was like there was something emotionally shut off in me that while I was practicing cultivating those emotions, it all just came at once. It just, it just like turned over, it just turned on. And that was on April 17th of 2013. It was actually a few days after my best friend died from an alcohol uh, overdose. He was also in recovery. He had been sober for a few years and, um, man, I've seen a lot of people pass away just because of drugs. It's, it's really crazy. It's really, really such a sad thing to see, but, um, I, I really want people to be aware of the fact that if you can imagine living your life in a different way, that act of imagining is actually creating the neural circuitry for you to respond to your life or for you to be more likely to respond to your life that way in the future. So it's not just like a, a waste of your time. Even if you don't believe in the woo side of it, you're actually creating the neural circuitry to have that emotional or to be more likely to have that emotional experience every time you do it. So every time you engage in these practices, you are actually building up a part of your brain that will promote that response in the future. That's why addiction is so hard to break. This is like the opposite of addiction. You know, the law of attraction is like the op or it's like using addiction for your benefit. You're creating pathways in the brain. And each time you do that, that pathway gets a little bit more deep, I guess you could call it. It's a little bit more likely for, you know, the the chi or energy or whatever you want to call the the energy behind your thoughts. It, it becomes more likely mm. that that will travel down that pathway and more likely that you will respond in the way that you want to respond or the way that you're visualizing how you will respond to something. So it's a, a really powerful practice. So, so, so David, someone listening right now who's struggling with addiction or, or trauma or whatever, you would sort of encourage them to, to, to use this practice, this emotional visualization, but it's not like a one-time thing, right? This is something, no, no, no. this is a process. It's a, it's a serious, yes. However, I really, I, I'm not totally sure about this, but I have a hunch that if you really knew, like if you could force yourself to know something, you, and it's not even like knowing it on a truth level. It's like a knowing bio, it's like a biological knowing. And I don't know how to describe that in any other way, but if you can force yourself to know something, to feel it in your body so deeply that you just know that it's truth. And I guess force isn't the right word, but if you can cultivate that, then it's so much more likely to happen. It's so much more likely that that's how you'll respond. It's, it's, 
when it comes to your inner world, the law of attraction, new thought, whatever you want to call it, these visualization practices, they do work and they do have scientific evidence backing them up, you know, in, in CAT scans, you can actually see it. So it's a, it's a powerful practice. I would not recommend that this be something that you use as a standalone practice in treating addiction. But if you if you've been struggling for like years, you just can't figure out why it's not happening for you. I cannot I cannot recommend it enough that, you know, the law of attraction, visualization, a few other tools um, in terms of just sound um, yoga practices. Breath work is huge. Breath work is a, is a real game changer. But visualization in particular, if you can cultivate knowing that can be your reality, at least in terms of your inner landscape. Mm, mm. And and so do you, David, do you use all these different tools like with the breath work? I mean, is this what you're, you have like a, you have like a practice that you go to every day now? My practice is very sc scattered and all over the place. I would like to, to develop a, a very specific regimented routine that I fall back on every day, but my life doesn't really allow that. My life is very, um, you know, with my job and, and everything going on in my life, I'm, I don't have a schedule that I can rely on. So I can't really do these practices in the way that I would like to, but I do have a, you know, a toolbox of five or six things that I fall back on every day. So uh, a big one for me is just to actually cover them all. So I, I work with sound, I work with the breath, I work with visualization, and I work with, you know, the body, moving the body, stretching the body, um, holding the body in different positions. And I would say that I, I do at least two out of those four or five things every day. And it's really changed my life. It's, it's so hard to see it in the moment. It's so hard to see it. I'm living with me every day. So, it, and it's a slow process, but even people that I, you know, haven't seen in a couple of years or something that I've had a few people tell me that I look younger than I did in 2019, which is crazy to me because, uh, you know, I already, I already look pretty young. I I'm, but it's just, it's crazy to me that this stuff actually has a biological effect. And I think I just kind of need to get over that that it's all programming. I'm I'm relying on the view of the world that I had growing up, and that's why it seems crazy. But it's really not. I think it's truth. I think everything else is crazy. I think the world around us is is what's crazy, and that's why it's falling apart the way that it is. But um, mm. yeah, the breath. If uh, just to shift gears a little bit, the breath is a big one for me. I'm not as well versed in breath work as I am some of the other um, the other tools. I, I do have experience working with it. I think um, if I remember correctly, you are um, familiar with heart math. Is that, is that right? Yes, you, absolutely. Yeah. So that's been, that was kind of my introduction to breath work and with the inner balance device, it, it kind of, it just tells you if you're, if you're in a state of coherence between the heart and the brain. And I think that is more what, for me, the, the benefit of the practice of, of breath work is using the breath as a tool to control our physiological responses. It's, um, mm. it's just a very, it's so boring. You know, I think that's why it's not as popular <laughs> as it should be because it just seems so boring on the surface. Like breath, I do that however many times a day. I don't, I don't need to, I'm pretty sure I'm doing right. I'm still here. You know, that's kind of what most people might think. But if you look at the practices going back thousands of years and even, in modern times, there's kind of a renaissance going on right now, but you, 
you quickly see that there is really something here. There's something to it. And um, I've experienced quite a number of really just wacky stuff that, you know, I don't know if it's the meditation or the breath or both, but when you bring all this stuff together, it really takes you to a place where it's almost like, it's like, is this even real? Is this, how can this be awful? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. And, and in fact, I, of all the healing tools that I've done with food and everything, I, I, I think breath is number one for me. And, and I don't even know if it's possible if like, you're not, if, if you're not breathing in a deep or, 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 or properly, you know, nasal breathing. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I found that that has just made the biggest impact of, and we've done a lot of shows on the breath mm-hmm. because it's such a, you know, it is something we do every day and it really can be, it can, it can really enhance wellness or it can really get in the way physical wellness, mental, emotional, everything. And, um, you know, I agree with you. I, I think, I think so much of it is about, I, I know for myself when I'm, you know, I'm on the devices and I'm on the phone and all this sort of stuff. So, so much anxiety, so much, so much, so much anxiousness, but just so much of it is just taking that time just to say, all right, I'm just going to sit. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to visualize. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to, you know, it's, it's, you're really, you know, you're going against the grain in a lot of ways because everything's pulling you to not do that. Right. But if you can just sit like you did on the bed that day, close your eyes or on a meditation cushion somewhere, whatever, um, man, that's, that's, it's huge. It is huge. It is huge. And it's, like I said before, it's something that we think that we understand fully. It's something that we are, um, we're so familiar with it because it's just going on in the background all the time. So we assume that we're doing it properly, but so I recently uh, read James Nestor's Breath. Have, um, have you read that book? Yeah, yeah, he's been on the show before. Oh wow, no way. Okay, wow, that's cool. He's he's yeah. an amazing guy. He really just he he took all of the things about the ancient you know the ancient world and the ancient uh, practice of working with the breath. You have Tumo, you have uh, you know modern iterations of that with the Wim Hof method. Um, he looked at all these different versions of it and he kind of, he allowed us to look at it through the lens of modern science, which I think is really, really important for, for especially modern Westerners where everything that we value is framed from the lens of modern science. And if you can't fit it under that lens, or if it, you know, if you can't look at it under a microscope, it's not, it might as well not even be there. But what he did is he really studied it. He really he went he went back and he looked at it and he studied it personally. And he all of these things coming together, man, that book was really just eye opening with the nasal breathing, especially. That's just um, something so many people are doing wrong. It's 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 crazy. It's tough, but incredible. Yeah, yeah it, it is such a great book. And, uh, you know, at the end of the interview, James was just like, you know, I think basically asked him, you know, if you had to if you had to give someone advice on how to breathe, he's just like, shut your mouth and breathe through your nose. Right. And that was like his big, his big thing. And, uh, yeah, it's a great, great book. Um, you know, David, I'd also love to, I want to, want to get a little bit into the sound healing that you do and, and your, your, um, or well, your language of light wellness, tell us a little bit about language, what language of light wellness is and sound and all the different things that you're doing. Absolutely. So I, uh, after I got clean and sober, just to back up a little bit, um, I, 
I really had to figure out what I was going to do with my life. You know, that sense of not knowing where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to support myself. I told you that that kind of drove me to addiction, the fear of that. But when I came out of addiction, I had to face all of those same feelings without any of the, the crutches that I was so used to using. Um, and so visualization definitely played a role there. But what I did was I ended up. So opportunity has always been something that has. It's like if you know how to look and you can just be still life provides for you, but you have to know when to take action. You know, the concept of Wu Wei doing, not doing it's inspired action. You're not doing just for the sake of being busy and feeling productive when in reality, you're not really accomplishing anything. So that concept has always played a huge role in my life where it's like an orchestra of things come an orchestra of opportunities. And when the right opportunity comes along for me, I just somehow I know it. And I think we all do on some level, if we can just learn how to filter out the intellectual mind and all the noise and the fear that we're creating when we think of, you know, doing something that we're unfamiliar with. But um, I that's a long way to say that I ended up waiting tables. And while I was waiting tables, I met somebody that um, was in school for tech or uh, they were going, they were being paid to go to school for IT. And it's this program in Boston called Year Up. And basically they, they work with a bunch of companies in the area to um, get stu underprivileged students internships with a stipend. And hopefully that student will turn into a, a paid employee. So they actually save a little bit of money by working with this program. And so I went through that program. I really excelled. I loved it. I, um, I thought that tech was going to be my, my future. And um, I ended up working at uh, Boston Children's Hospital for a few years. And then I, I went somewhere else for a couple more. And then that's when the pandemic hit. But when I lost my job in, let's see, April of 2020, yeah, 2020, I, um, like I said before, I really didn't know how to handle the stress of that. I had, it was like, it was literally crippling me and I had to do something different. And so my spiritual practice and my interest in spirituality was always there throughout all of this. It, it didn't come to a place where I, where I practiced, where I knew that it was something that I needed to do to maintain my own like wellness, my own ability to meet the needs of my life. So <clears throat> I began practicing, I began working with something called Hemisync, H-E-M-I-S-Y-N-C, which is like the original binaural beats. And that is really what I feel was the catalyst for, for all of the, um, you know, the, the growth and the I guess you'd call them like visionary experiences, visionary states, um, these altered states that I was attaining. That was really the catalyst for it for me. So Hemisync is essentially this this audio technology that works to, um, and I'm not really answering your question right now. Sorry about that, but I, I got to go okay. down this road. Uh, so Hemisync is this audio technology. It's like the original binaural beats. I find it much more effective than binaural beats. There's something different about it. But essentially, it it works to create a, a sense of or what, what what would you call it? So basically, the left and the right hemispheres of the brain they don't typically act in unison. They're usually kind of doing their own thing, working on their own whatever systems of the body they're working on, whatever 
processes in the brain happen. They're usually kind of just doing their own thing, not talking to each other all that much. And what Hemisync does is it creates this sort of um, audible illusion where in order to hear the, the sounds, you have like, let's say four hertz playing on the, in the left ear and six hertz playing in the right ear. You would think that if you would think that you'd hear like the, a combination or you'd hear both or you'd hear like six hertz or you'd hear two hertz or something like that. None of that happens. The brain does this really weird thing where in order to hear it, it actually has to sort of combine them. But it's a little bit complex, but essentially it forces the left and right hemisphere to act in unison through this audible illusion which is a very rare thing, as I said earlier, but it creates this sort of, it opens the brain up to all sorts of new things and just a lot of processing that happens in very tangible ways. And for me, it was an experience where the first time I tried it within, I'd say 20 minutes of my meditation while I was using it, it was as if my consciousness became the sound and my body. And it was it was almost like I wasn't physically outside of my body, but it was almost like I had this overlay where I could see my body rippling with my consciousness as one thing. And I'm not even going to try to describe that any more than I already have because it, it just won't work. It's something that I don't think language can really describe. But that experience, it again, something in me was sort of unlocked. It was like a switch was flipped on. And I knew that this, this is something that I have to follow up on. This is just in, like, I loved it. I loved everything about it. It gave me access to everything I had been trying to access for quite a while. But, you know, being modern Westerners, we really just don't have the time. Anyways, as I was uh, working with that, I, let's see, I, uh, I encountered the sound about maybe back in November of 2021 or so something something was just very interesting to me about this modality called biofield tuning um, where essentially you're using sound as a tool to restore you're using it as a way to reflect back to the body its own rhythms and patterns and I've really tried to explore this this one through a scientific lens I can't really describe it that way yet and fully accurate way it's just there's something to it that science doesn't really work as a modality to describe it so something pulled me towards this modality and essentially it just involves the solfeggio scale or the solar harmonic scale which are two um, sacred musical scales and each tone has a tuning fork that you know you can buy a solfeggio scale tuning fork online and that's what i did and I wasn't even sure why I, I was so interested in it, but I'd say two weeks after it came in the mail, a very close family member of mine was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And this person is not open to any of these, you know, alternative woo, any of it. They're just a very straightforward, um, the government is telling us the truth and uh, all of this is what you see is what you get type of person. And when I told them that I, I you know, I, I found this new, this new modality, this new healing modality, I'd love to, to work on it with you if you're open to it. And he was very open to it. I think, you know, facing our own mortality changes a lot for us when we, when we're uh, dealing with it ourselves. And, um, 
you know, it, it was one of those things where I, I wasn't expecting something much to happen, but I, I just, it's just an intuitive knowing that this was something I really have to do for him. And within, I'd say 30 minutes of the first session, we started doing weekly sessions together within 30 minutes on the first session. I think both of us had evidence that there was something to it that like, we both just felt it. Um, you know, it was something again, it's hard to describe it with language, which is unfortunate for a podcast, but, uh, <laughs> you know what, D David, you know, let's just, we're just going to feel it. We're going to feel what you mean. So yes, you're right on a podcast. It. We need to be able to say it, but it. it, you know, it's so funny. Cause, um, one of the last episodes, um, we had a, a gentleman on the show and he, he did a, he did in the middle of the, in the middle of the episode, he stopped and he's like, Drew, we're going to, um, this is my buddy, Jason. Um, and he was on a couple, couple, uh, well, couple, about a month ago yeah. and he just stopped, he stopped in the middle and we did a meditation and it was like the best thing ever. We just like sat and breathed for like, mm. you know, a couple minutes. Um, mm. so you know what, anybody listening out there, you're listening to David, just close your eyes and just take, take in what he's, uh, what he's saying here. Mm. We'll yeah. feel it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it sounds, again, it sounds crazy, but that's all just programming. It's just what we're raised on. So just, uh, I know that I probably might sound like a crazy person to a lot of people out there, but I have come to a place where for a long time that was holding me back that, that fear of being perceived as, uh, you know, the woo guy, the crazy guy, the, it, it really held me back. And when I let go of that, that fear, that restrictive, I have to be the right person for everybody type of feeling. I can't step on anybody's toes type of thing. Um, that really is what allowed me to, to follow this path professionally. Uh, it's still a work in progress. It's very new. The language of light is a, the very, uh, new thing for me. I, I basically, when I experienced the benefits of the sound. And when I saw the benefits in this family member, and there's a lot more to it where like, we both would like, I would say something like, uh, during a session, like, Hey, did you just see the color? And we both say red at the same time and stuff like that has happened multiple times where for me, unfortunately, this doesn't translate unless you can feel it. But for me, this, this really it served as all of the evidence I need. I don't need to rely on blind faith anymore. I don't need to rely on um, trying to force some worldview that makes me feel better emotionally, but might not be true. I didn't need to do any of that stuff anymore. And it really served as a, a, a powerful way, just seeing the, the things that were happening during sessions, like old over in every single session, I would see something that would just be jaw dropping. And so would the participant, you know, the person that I'm working on. It's, it's always for both of us and it's healing for me too. Yeah. So, so David, so, so if someone listening here, um, they, could they, could they do a session with you? Is that how, if they're looking to do some deeper healing, they're like, they're curious about this whole thing. Yeah. Is this what it, they could work with you one-on-one -on -one or? So I would love to work with people one-on-one. -on -one. That is really what I'm what I'm trying to do with the language of light wellness is to, um, to offer a, a path forward from a spiritual perspective for people that just feel like they're stuck. And I have felt stuck so many times in my life, but if I just, if I had the perspective then that I have now, I would know that that's because I wasn't, I wasn't 
aligning myself with the path forward that the universe was trying to give me. You know, it's um, for a long time after the pandemic, I told you that I was I was really going kind of crazy. I just felt like everything was falling apart. And in a way, it kind of was. But when I finally realized when I let go of the old path, when I let go of the tech um, path forward and I really started embracing my true passion as my my professional interest, it, it's like all of a sudden a flood of insanely just synchronistic and beautiful um, events and opportunities came forward, one of them being the language of light. Um, essentially, what the language of light is, is a it's a healing platform for, like I said, people that feel like they're stuck or people that are just curious about sound or uh, working through these meditative processes or you know, visualization practices, a few other things um, to kind of come together or to work with somebody one-on-one who can hold them accountable, who has an understanding both experientially and theoretically in terms of like the, um, the practices and the, the ancient, the ancient wisdom, you know, I don't claim to be perfect by any means. I don't claim to have figured it out. If, if I sound like I figured it out, I, I apologize. That's not the case at all. I, I'm really on a journey of exploration and the language of light is a way for me to continue to explore in a way that serves the world. And the things that I've seen in the past really allow me to say that with confidence because it's, um, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful what happens when you align yourself with what you really love, with what you you said uh, a, a few maybe about a year ago now. Follow your bliss. That Tom Crum is that Tom Crum? Uh, oh, Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Follow your bliss, and that's really what I'm saying here. Is when I started following my bliss, all of these things started coming together, and the language of light is a way for me to help other people do that. It's it it doesn't have to be as horrific and scary and you know you don't have to live with all the scarcity there are times where sometimes there isn't an answer and i don't i don't know i don't know what that what that means i don't know if that just means that the person didn't um overcome something that they had to or if it's just the way the world works i don't know but for me i know that when i feel stuck it's a sign that i'm not living emote my inner landscape is not in alignment with what I want my outer landscape to look like. And mm. it's, um, you know, with, uh, with, with the sound healing, with the, I call it bioacoustics. It's, um, what's really happening. I, I think to kind of try to explain it from a scientific model, it's, it's not easy. So don't take all this with a grain of, or take all this with a grain of salt, just because it's not exactly, uh, concise, but what I believe is happening is the body has all of these different fields. It has all of these different rhythms. So your nervous system, you know, when you're, when you're driving in your car and all of a sudden you get that ringing in your ears, uh, I think we're usually told something like, oh, that's somebody talking about you. Maybe that's true. I don't know. But I, I, what I do know is that that's the sound of the nervous system actually shifting gears. That's the sound of, uh, either the parasympathetic or the sympathetic nervous system activating and regulating itself. So that sound is the frequency of your nervous system. And as I'm sure you know, Drew, the, the heart has its own field. It has an electromagnetic field. Anything with anything that has electricity inside of it has an electromagnetic field around it. 
And so the body has all of these various organs and systems that each emit an electromagnetic field. And you can call it the aura, you can call it the biofield, you can call it whatever you want to call it. There is an electromagnetic field of light and information around the body. And what this bioacoustics modality is doing is it's using sound as a mechanism to reflect back to the body its own frequencies when it otherwise can't really see them. And something happens. This is what I mean by it's really hard to describe it scientifically. But what I believe happens is I really think that the body intuitively knows how to course correct on some unconscious level. And you just feel light. You feel it's almost it's almost hard to describe it because we don't really have a, a you just feel the way that you feel like you should you feel mm. like you like you you know you just see people living their lives that are out there uh and maybe you're sick or you have something wrong with you you just you feel the way that you you should and that's both emotionally and physically you i i personally feel this expansiveness in my chest and I've also noticed that it seems like certain people or all of us are deficient in certain frequencies. And when we expose that frequency to the body, usually it actually feels uncomfortable at first. People kind of like tense up and it's like, oh, I don't like that one. But that one is the one that they need the most. And by the time I'm done with that particular frequency, they understand why I wanted to continue using it. Usually, you know, when you come to a frequency that's dissonant, that is not in uh, sync or is not in synchrony with the rest of the body, it's it's very uncomfortable. It's very obvious. And what happens is you expose that frequency. And like I said, at first, it's very uncomfortable, but then it's like something opens up and it becomes their favorite, their favorite frequency. And there are other mm. frequencies that are like as soon as I strike the tuning fork, it's like it has a, a richness and a depth to it that is unlike the other frequencies on, on that scale where it's like, OK, I know that this is the frequency that this person, you know, this person is already carrying this frequency. And that's why it's so deep and rich, because there's an it's uh, you know, you've heard of the idea that if you strike two tuning or if you strike a tuning fork and there's another tuning fork of the same frequency in the area that tuning fork will also ring and i think that's what's happening here so it sounds insane in a way it is all i can tell you is that it just it works it's it's really incredible i'm so blessed to be uh, exposed to it and to to have the opportunity to work with it it sounds it's it sounds amazing i'm i'm ready to sign up here and uh and do it with you because i'm I mean, when you when you embrace this notion that that your body, your life is an experiment on some level, mm. let's let's experiment. You know, and and particularly if you're not feeling good, like you said, you're not feeling like you should. You're not. You're feeling whatever. Mm. You know, if you can have that open minded to experiment a little, try some different things, maybe outside your comfort zone. Why not? Why not give it a shot? Maybe this could change your life. Um, so you know. It's an ex- it's all an experiment. I mean, that's how I look at it. Whether it's food or whether it's breathing techniques or whether it's whatever, um, there, you know, I try try to embrace that that experimentation mindset. That I think is something that's a key thing. I think that's missing in in just our our culture in general. We 
we approach the world as if it's all been figured out and we just have to get in line with the people that figured it out because they told us what they did to to understand how everything works and as long as we show up and we we follow their orders and we take the pill that they hand us and and we go to the schools that they respect then then we'll be okay but you know that isn't really the case i'm sure everybody is starting to realize that these days when you know the charade is kind of coming to an end here and it's it's very uncomfortable there we have to do something different we have to look at the world differently we have to I personally, I love the idea of, um, you know, Terrence McKenna. He was a, a one of my heroes. He's a really just a fantastic philosophical explorer of consciousness and uh, very into the psychedelic movement. But he talked about an archaic revival. He he saw an archaic revival as the way out of the, the this whole system of unsustainable pollution and greed and just living in a way that it doesn't really work for anybody but ourselves. And even then, it still doesn't really work outside of a very short period of time. So he talked about small communities, self, self-sufficient communities where, you know, everything you need is, or all of the skill sets that you need are in the community. You know the person that is, you know, fixing your broken foot. You know the person that is working on your car. You know, and there are a lot of... Um, it's not as simple as that. You know, we're not going to have smartphones in a world that 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 operates at this level because you you know specialty and um, uh, having these little niche understandings is kind of what allowed this whole system to rise. And this system has benefits. Like I said, we have smartphones. We have all these. We have the all of the knowledge across the world at our fingertips on our phones. You know, we can press a button and have all of our, our everything we ever need show up at our front doorstep that day if you want it to, if you can afford to, to pay for it. But that I think that that desire is also flawed. We, we think that that's what we want. But when that's all we can have, it quickly starts to become obvious that this is not really a, a, a healthy or a fulfilling or a, like a worthwhile way to live and it's also just destroying the planet and it's brought us to where we are today so yeah i love that i love that drew just living Mm. experimentally it's um you know curiosity is another thing like if you just approach the world from the understanding that you don't have it all figured out and even if you think you do there's probably something much more it's there's probably something beyond human understanding in general just something we don't we don't have it figured out is what i'm trying to say and when you approach the world that way you can appreciate it because it it is incredible it is inspiring it is like how how is any of this possible how like what what is water what what the heck is water what is grant you know you can appreciate all of these things that we take for granted like the breath and revisit them from a, a place of sanctity, a place of appreciation, wonder, all of those, all of those emotions, awe, awe is a huge one. It's, it's, they actually change us physiologically. And like these frequencies, when we're deficient in one, there are, 
it creates imbalance. We we have to live the full range of the human experience of uh, human emotional experience. I believe for true vibrance, vitality, um, and just you know balance. Balance is a huge a, a huge thing that a lot of people in today's world totally just forgo. Like it's extreme in every sense. People are just constantly. Uh, you know, taking things to a, a place of extreme, and it's um, it doesn't have to be that way. Absolutely, David. Well said. Final question: If you could go back in time, say twenty years or so, what words of wisdom would your current self share with your younger self? <laughs> that's that's funny you ask that now because I think I would actually talk about balance because uh, hmm. you know that that extreme that needing to have the rush and to do everything to the extreme is what I feel brought me to that, that place of um, needing to change. So thank you so much for your time, Drew. I, I really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. Oh, David, thank, thank you. So, so, so someone wants to work with you that's listening. Where should they go to learn more about you and, and what you're doing? Uh, so you can go to the www.thelanguageoflight.org. I'm also on Instagram at the language of light wellness. And um, if you have any questions or if you uh, just want to connect, I'm at info at the language of light.org. I'm always happy to talk. I'm always happy to answer questions or, you know, just, just to connect with people. So shoot me an email or uh, stop by the Instagram and uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll touch base. Beautiful. And we'll put this in the show notes so people can find it there too. Um, David, thank you so much. It was a, it was a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, Drew. I really appreciate your, your uh, willing to host me. And this was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Drew Perlman show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode in the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.